0: We kick off episode 281 of Monster Kid Radio with the song Seven Deadly Swims from a surf band out of Gainesville, Florida. They're called The Murmurs. The album is called Get Swell Soon, and they gave us permission to open up this episode of the podcast with their music. My name is Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the show. The podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm excited because we have got an action-packed episode of Monster Kid Radio for you this week. We are playing two rounds of the Classic Five. The Classic Five is that classic monster movie, kind of rapid-fire question game that we play. The reason we're playing two rounds of it is because we've got two different people on the podcast this week. Some Monster Kids who are creating things, and those are my favorite types of creators. Monster Kids who put their love of these movies into their own creative endeavors, like actor Charles Prokop. He is the man who is bringing... Randy Bowser's Karloff, a one-person play to the fine people of Tucson, Arizona. So we're going to interview him, and then after that, I've got Jason Brower on the show. Jason is a Rondo Hatton Award winner. He won the Linda Miller Fan Artist Award of the Year. So we're going to talk with him as well, talk about what his journey was like from Monster Kid to Monster Artist. That's all happening. We've got so much to get to, but before we get to any of that, I've got a movie quote. Something we've been doing for the past few weeks is I've been giving you a movie quote from a classic Monster Movies. At the end of the episode, I'll tell you what the movie is. Here's the quote. There is no more foul or relentless enemy of man in the occult world than this dead-alive creature spewed up from the grave. No hints, but stay tuned, because at the end of the episode, I'll tell you what movie it was. But that's after chatting with Jason and after chatting with Charles. Not necessarily in that order. And that's all happening right after this.
1: When this dead hand moves, the monster created by a man they called Mad is turned loose to strike terror into the hearts of men, to shock women into uncontrolled hysteria, Elizabeth. to prey upon the innocence of children. This is the story you've heard about, talked about, the spine-tingling, blood-chilling story that stuns your emotions, Frankenstein. Don't touch
2: that!
3: Karloff, take this gun. Escort this gentleman from the castle. If he resists, kill him. The terror, his evil mystic powers go beyond man's wildest imaginings. <laughs> The terror, empowered to avenge, to reward, to transform.
2: I do love you.
3: Is she a blood and flesh beauty a man can enjoy?
2: I am possessed of the dead.
3: Or is she a gossamer myth created by a madman's distorted desires? Take your life as you took mine. And bring us together forever. Join Boris Karloff, the Frankenstein monster of all horror motion pictures, in his most blood-chilling screen experience. (laughs) Hi, this is Sarah Karloff, and you're listening to Monster Kid Radio.
0: Monster Kid Radio listeners, a few years ago, I had an opportunity to see an amazing one-man show here in Oregon. Randy Bowser put on Karloff, a one-person play, and it was so good. I enjoyed it so much. I went and saw it both weekends. One of the things Randy's been wanting to do is make sure that other people have an opportunity to see this production. And the play is available now for you to put on yourself. Charles Prokop is somebody who's going to be doing it himself in Arizona, and I've got him here on the show to talk about it. Charles, welcome to Monster Kid Radio.
4: Thanks, Derek. Good to be with you.
0: i got to ask how you found out about Karloff. Not, not the man, the play. Not the man.
4: Karloff, <laughs> <laughs> I knew a lot about to begin with. I think I was born knowing about him. <laughs> Call to play. It goes back a little bit. I've been back since the mid '90s. I started working with John Gott here at Tucson as, as my director. We put on a lot of shows. Some of them kind of strange, like uh, Caravaggio or or Clive Barker's Crazy Face. Now everybody knows Clive Barker. Wow! Oh, really, Crazy Face is a really funny comedy. I, I played must than half a dozen parts in the show. Wow! John has gotten my best performances out of me couple of years ago, he kind of tasked me with the job of finding a property that just a, a really small cast could do and, we'd, and locating a place to do the show. We'd start over again. You know, John is kind of semi-retired. I'm no longer youngster myself. And I was fooling around on Facebook and I saw a mention of off the play and I checked it out and got a hold of Randy and corresponded with him about the show, and finally I contacted John and said, I think I found the show for us to do. Uh, And we just took it from there. I've been essentially financing the show entirely on my own, using my my retirement savings. So (laughs) we've got the rights to the play. We've been actually working on it since sometime early this year. And we're getting into the hard, drunk part of the rehearsal now, where we're doing all the blocking, working with the soundtrack, all the stuff that actually makes theater a lot of work. That turns out a wonderful performance. That's the, and the theater we're doing it in mm-hmm. is the Alliance Performance Center of Tucson. It's a fairly new location here at Tucson. It's at Tanca Verde Road and Bear Canyon, right on the corner. It was founded by Sheldon Metz who's kind of a theatrical impresario here in Tucson. And this is its first year of operation.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, so a pretty brand-new space.
4: That's right. It's a. I had no idea what the building was before it was a theater, but it's a big place, and it's got everything that we need. 120 seats, the way we're going to have it set up. It's going to be a three-quarters round production. The audience is going to be on three sides of the stage.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
4: I've worked that way many times. I love that format.
0: I'm excited to see what kind of blocking you come up with and how that works out. That's kind of oh,
4: yeah. yeah. Three quarters just kind of keeps the actor moving all the time. You, don't, sure. you can't just face up and talk to one group of the audience. You have to keep wandering around, strolling, talking to people in the front row, that sort of thing.
0: Well, i got to ask. You mentioned Clive Barker. You went looking for Karloff. You're a fan of classic horror, I'm assuming.
4: That's right. Excellent. I think one of the first movies I ever recall seeing was uh, God, The Raven with Boris Karloff and Taylor the Dosh. I mean, I I was just a kid was watching it at my aunt and uncle's place on an early afternoon TV program, and I just fell in love with it.
0: Well, we have a game that we play here on Monster Kid Radio with, with first-time guests, and since you're a fan of classic monster movies, I think you're perfect person to play this game it's called the classic five i've got a deck of cards here that have different questions about different classic horror movies do you like this movie better than that movie which one do you prefer over this or whatever it's a way to get listeners in a lot of listeners know a little bit more about our guest. and i'd like to play around to the classic five with you sir now there's a wrong answers it's kind of a rapid fire yes or no what do you think
4: okay
0: all right let me let me give this deck a shuffle here all right Card number one. Question number one here. Oh, do you prefer Edward Van Sloan as Van Helsing, Dr. Waldman, or Dr. Mueller from The Mummy?
4: It's kind of funny because Mueller and Van Helsing were essentially the same character, but because The Mummy and Dracula were the same movie, just changed locations and
0: characters. Pretty much. But
4: I I really liked him, though, as Walden in Frankenstein.
0: He comes out <laughs> on stage at the very beginning of the movie.
4: That's right, because that's Silly presentation. Yep. <laughs> we don't want you to be frightened now.
0: <laughs> Carl Emily feels a word of warnings. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right, card number two. What two 1930s monster movies would make a great double feature?
4: Well, the two classics, because it's already been done. Yeah. Dracula and Frankenstein. Yeah, and I know back in, I think it was the late 60s, but early 70s, Universal re-released them as a double feature in the cinemas again. I, I have to go watch this, you know, chance to see both films on a big screen. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I haven't had a chance to see both of them back to back on the big screen, but whenever TCM brings them out for those one or two night only shows, I definitely make mm-hmm. it a point to go see it. All right. Card number three, favorite actor to play Dracula.
4: Oh, that's utterly unfair. <laughs> really. It really is. For one thing, I've played Dracula. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I uh, know, me, right right off the bat. But, you know, there's there so many different versions of the show, I really have a hard time finding a favorite because I love them all for different reasons. I love Luke Gaussi's version because, well, for one thing, it's a big Luke Gaussi, and it's a really fine, atmospheric movie. And... Gary Oldman's recent one was just utterly nuts, and I liked it for that very reason. And of course, the, the original film version of Dostaratu, mm-hmm. that movie is just one of a kind, anyway. You, you see that, and you're blown away for the first time. I still get blown away watching it myself, but after all these years, I have no idea how many times I've seen it. Didn't care much for Frank Randella's Dracula, but I loved Christopher Lee.
2: Oh, Yes
4: his portrayal was so different from any of the others I've seen before. And once again, as I said with Lugosi, that was Lugosi. This was Lee, and he was he was just a cool guy. So I, I really can't pick a favorite because I just dig so many of them.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Like I said, there's no wrong answers. There are so many good Draculas out there. That's, I think that counts. All of them but Langella. Yeah. Okay.
4: <laughs> he did make a good effort, though. So yes. I'm I'm All
0: right, card number four. Which movie do you prefer, House of Dracula or House of Frankenstein? Oh, Lord.
4: I guess I have to say House of Frankenstein.
0: Well, Karloff's in that one.
1: That's right. That's why. I'm going to repay you for betraying me. I'm going to give that brain of yours a new home in the skull of the Frankenstein monster. The uh, juggler vein is severed
3: not cut the thorn apart as though by powerful teeth a werewolf last night i killed a man i didn't know what you were doing but i did i wanted to kill i think they're after dracula you
4: know, i like john Charity. i mean i really love charity because he reminds he reminds me of the sort of person that you'd see as a your uh, somewhat disreputable, raffish, elderly uncle. You know, the sort of person you really don't talk about a whole lot in the family. That's the sort of person I. Edgar uh, and you know, always struck me as being. <laughs> and since I kind of aspire to that role in my family, that's why I like him. Okay. <laughs>
2: but,
4: but, but Karloff is everyone's favorite uncle. Everybody loves Uncle
0: Boris. Man, you keep doing the voice, and I keep getting chills. That's awesome. That's great. <laughs> All right, final card, final question. Lon Chaney, Jr. or Lon Chaney, Sr.?
4: Sr. Sr. I like Lon Chaney, Jr. He's a good guy, but that poor guy, don't want to get into personalities, but his demons got him at the end.
2: Mm
4: -hmm. He had a lot of problems. I know he's a good fella. He tried to be a good actor. He He was making an effort there, but he just wasn't the actor his dad was. Lon Chaney, Sr. came up. He learned... Theater the same way Boris did. The school of getting up there and doing it yourself, learning the hard way. You know, you have to get up on stage, stink up so many plays before you actually get to be really good. And That's what Cheney did, and I know I've got it. And, of course, so did Boris
0: Karloff. And if I remember correctly from Karloff, there is a, a moment, Karloff the play there is, there, there's a moment mm-hmm. where he discusses Having met Lon Chaney Sr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh,
4: having met Chaney, yes, mm-hmm. indeed. Would have loved to listen to that conversation. Oh, wow. I understand they talked for over an hour. Actually, I, I got the impression that Chaney talked for over an hour. <laughs> and Carl just kind of zipped his mouth, sat there, and took it all in.
0: People, Yeah, I would, too, if, if Chaney was
4: <laughs> I mean, even then, Chaney was a superstar, mm-hmm. but, but as we call him today,
0: so, what is it about? Okay, so the Plastic Five is done. I'm just going to start asking you normal questions now. Um, <laughs> what, what is it about Boris Karloff that speaks to you, you know, as an actor, as a performer, as a monster, or not? What, what is it about him that just grabs your attention? And-
4: a lot of things. I mean, for one thing, you just look at him and you see, now, this is a terrific person playing this god awful character. You, know, you just get that impression. I, I remember watching him in The Bells, you know, one of his first movies. He didn't quite have his villainous chops down. And every now and then, his character would give what he, I guess Carl thought was a sinister smile. You know, the screen lit up, sun, the sun shone, Bernie sang, and that was Uncle Boris on the screen. I, I just responded to the fact that this was obviously a really good person. Mm-hmm. And I later found out that he had a lot of physical handicaps that really spoke to me because I do too. When I was a teenager, I had a really nasty accident, which kind of crippled up my right leg. gave me a bad back. And when I realized that he was, in his old age, doing these parts, going for a lot of physical work and could barely walk, I thought, yeah, if he can do it, I can do it. That's what essentially inspired me to get into theater in the first place was Carlaw.
0: Oh, wow. Now, having read so many interviews and heard so many stories about him, I'm sure he'd be flattered to hear something like that. (laughs) Yeah.
4: I I grew up with famous monsters of film land. You know that good old magazine. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah.
4: Uh, I visited Uncle Forry in the Acker Mansion when I was in California. I'm from Illinois, originally. And I just spent hours there messing around trying on Fago Nagoshi's Dracula ring and the old tape that he wore, looking at the all the memorabilia he had there and talking to Borey and just had one heck of a prime time, which discouraged my parents' no end because they didn't want me to be an actor.
0: You actually got to the real Acker mansion. You're not talking figuratively like going through the magazine. You actually got to the Ackermansion. No, Acker
4: mansion. I, I went to the Acker mansion Wow. Popped in there. I did call ahead of time, of course. Oh, I sure. got to meet, got to meet uh, what was his name? Wendane himself, and Borey himself. There was one little guy knocking around in there. Before he introduced me to a guy with in glasses, short little fella, he told me he was a writer. And really we found out that it, that was Harlan Ellison.
2: Wow!
4: <laughs> he was doing a little research there. Now, he didn't care much for Forry, and I guess the feeling was mutual, but apparently Forry had a couple of books he he to consult and There he was. Wow. Uh, I got into, got into science fiction fandom and all that sort of stuff. You know, I followed the usual career sharp for we monster kids you might say the
0: fanboys i've heard stories about growing see I'm, I'm a little younger so i did not grow up with famous monsters on the news tin now, of course i've gone back and found old issues and read them but oh, hearing God. stories about going to the actual actor mansion and all that and just mm, to have been alive back then and be able to do something like that or or to have an experience like that today if there was somebody that had a place that they could go just Sounds amazing. Just sounds amazing.
4: I, I understand there's actually a plan to, to gather together as much of Corey's old stuff and actually have a museum for the some someplace in Los Angeles.
0: I've heard rumors about that.
4: I have no idea what's going on with that since that's been a while since I heard about it.
0: I've heard rumors about that. If it happens, I mean, you know, if I find out about more, I'll talk about it here on the show because I think it's something that people would oh, yeah. enjoy. Definitely would enjoy. So you went into acting. Were you immediately drawn to doing some of the, the, the darker, weirder kind of thing? Yeah,
4: yeah. I, on my acting resume, I refer to myself right under the name as Player of All the People. Okay. My head and shoulder shot on the resume is an old picture of me playing Ambrose Bierce in my first one-man show. Oh, wow. That one was much shorter and simpler than what I'm doing now, though. It was just Bierce talking.
0: Mm-hmm. So Ambrose Pierce is as a, as a one-man show. But this, this is, like he said, you're doing a three-quarter round. You're, you're going to be walking around and moving around. Oh, yeah.
4: I, I, I expect I'll talk to people in the audience. After all, he is essentially reminiscing. True. I can think of one bit of business I'm planning on doing when karl refers to getting lost in France with his wife, Dottie.
0: Mm-hmm. In
4: the dreadful remains of my school boy French, I stopped asking for directions in in a photo shop in a tiny Norman village, I have a lady friend who's from France, and she always teases at me about my utterly wretched French. So when she's in the audience, she's going to get that one. <laughs> uh, it will be addressed directly to her.
0: Nice. You saw the, the DVD, uh, the video production of Karloff. Have you actually spoken with Randy very much?
4: I've never actually spoken to him. We correspond all the time on Facebook,
0: uh-huh.
4: on personal message pages and pages of correspondence of the guy. We've never actually spoken to one another yet.
0: I just want to hear the both of you doing Karloff back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> oh, that would be hilarious.
3: Of <laughs> <laughs> course,
4: I can also do a very good Baila Lugosi impersonation,
0: too. Uh-oh, uh-oh, don't <laughs> tease me.
2: <laughs>
0: so we're going through Indiegogo to raise some funds for the production. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there was, you had to pay to, for the play, to bring the play down. you got to pay the rights for that. And you've got to support the production. I mean, you got to rent the space and build the set and the props and all that. So Indiegogo uh, is one of the crowdfunding sites out there. It's one of the more popular ones. Mm -hmm. We'll make sure there's a link to this in the show notes. What do people get if they contribute? I mean, what kind of rewards are we looking at here?
4: Oh, it's totally simple, straightforward stuff. If you contribute over $50, for one thing, get a ticket. I'm pre-selling tickets. People will naturally get recorded in the program as contributors, Mm-hmm. Especially that one for a thousand dollars. Thank you, Carol C. <laughs> and we'll have an enormous poster in the lobby of the theater listing everyone who contributed to me. Everyone who gets who contributes will also get a copy of that poster. I'll be giving out autographed eight by tens of me as Carloff, as Ooh. well as the uh, autographed program. Okay. And of course, everyone will have my undying gratitude for the
0: rest of my life. <laughs> well, that's the most important part right there. That's the best part that's right there. Right?
4: Right. They will have helped make theatrical history.
0: Now, on Facebook, Randy actually announced that he's going to be kicking in a little bit, too. With Randy's yes. production, he produced the DVD of the show. The idea was to help promote Karloff and get other places to, to put on the show. Well, he did make that DVD available as a very limited run for people who helped kick in and produce his show, he's going to make copies of that video available online, I believe, to people who help with your show at this point?
2: That's
4: right.
0: What are the details on that?
4: you need the email addresses for people pledging $50 or more, and they'll put them on the access list. Apparently, he'll send it to you somehow.
0: Okay. Fair enough. So for a $50 level of support. $50 contribution. Mm-hmm, which right. is the, I'm looking at your Indiegogo page now, it's the attending angel level.
4: Uh, yes. I got a little Shakespearean there know, uh,
0: one of lines. You'll help Charles and his group put the show on in Arizona, and you get to see a recording of it from a couple of years ago here in Oregon. That's a heck of a deal, if nothing else. If that's all you can do, that's that's more than enough, because you're going to get a ticket to the show, you get to see what it looked like before... I mean, that's fantastic.
4: And uh, that DVD is just not available.
0: It was an extremely limited edition. He, he didn't put it out. He didn't do Off as a commercial venture for DVD. It was more about, that's let's right. promote the show, let's get it out there on as many stages as possible. And I've been banging that drum over the years, and I'm really excited that somebody down in Arizona is going to kick it off. I was actually born in Tucson, Arizona, so to know that oh, a really? fellow... Yeah. <laughs> so, so my birthplace is going to be putting on... Carloff, how as a monster kid, I mean that just makes sense to me. Of course they are. That's great.
4: <laughs> well, you know, you know what else is cool in right there? In my spare time, I actually have a little spare time every now and then.
0: Uh-huh.
4: I help out at a haunted house here in Tucson A year round, boss.
0: A year round.
4: A Year round. I was I was working there last night till nearly daytime Oh wow! This morning, but, you know where Trail Bus Town is here in Tucson. Do you remember it?
0: I have very little memory of Tucson.
4: Oh, okay, uh, it's. Essentially in the corner of Tancaverty and Grant Roads. It's a sort of a tourist attraction, kitchen type place. It's a little western village built on that corner. It's got restaurants, gift shops, and our haunted house. The Ravenhurst family haunt.
0: Oh wow. I'm doing
4: i I'm doing a plug for us here.
0: Okay. Hey, no, no, feel free.
4: Now Bill Bill Delph is the head of the Ravenhurst family. You might think of us as an expanded Adams family type function. And we've got this haunt in one corner of the, the trail dust town. We take people on guided tours of the haunt. I'm one of the tour guides, and my character is illegally Russian, Eastern European, Slavic person named Boris Mikhailovich Botvonetku
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. Excuse me.
4: <laughs> my character's name is Boris Mikhailovich Potvinetsku. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's actually the name of an old neighborhood of life as a kid. Okay. Nobody needs to know that. <laughs> that. We take the people on a guided tour of a pitch-dark haunt. The only light is a flashlight, the tour guide carries. And it, it doesn't have any jump scares. There are no ghouls, ghosts, or zombies or anything chasing you around. And by the end of some of our tours, we've had, well, let's just say we scared literally the pee out of people. Oh, no. It's very intense. Loads of fun. It's very intellectual type thing because we rely on scaring people using their own imagination. Sure. Like the good old horror movies of Mr. Karloff and Lugosi again. We do it by suggestion and misdirection. We're great at it.
0: I see there's a website, so we'll make sure there's a link to that as well. Make sure people can get, get on that.
4: You'll find our Ravenhurst family haunt there. My, my character, I, when I created him, I... Try to imagine what it would be like if Bela Lugosi had actually been able to play Gomez Adams on TV.
2: Oh, wow.
4: So he's just this happy, very little guy who's seriously, seriously
0: deranged. Just thinking about Lugosi on something like that, just the what-ifs. <laughs> I know. His interactions with Morticia would be great, though.
4: Say something in French, my darling.
0: Oh, yes. All right, so we'll make sure there's links to that, and of course we'll make sure there's links to the Indiegogo page. You know, when it comes to Karloff, we call him one of the patron saints here on Monster Kid Radio. He's one of our guys. He's heavy
4: on the saint, really.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, once you learn more about him. And when I saw Karloff, I wasn't just entertained. I learned about the guy. I mean, this isn't just, Mm -hmm. you know, a, a show. I mean, it's a great show, but I came away from it having learned more about Karloff than I knew going in. I was inspired. Uh, It is quite a moving script, and I can't Mm -hmm. wait to hear how your production goes. Listeners, if you're in the area, I highly recommend you get a chance. You make time to see this. Is it just one weekend? Are you doing it multiple weekends?
4: It's going to be essentially the entire month of October. Oh, wow. time of the year. Yeah. It'll be on Friday and Saturday nights, and on Sundays we'll have a 2 o'clock matinee. That I did that especially for my fellow theatricals here in town because, you know, if you're working on a play at night, you're not able to go to another play.
0: Ah, uh, good point.
4: I had this matinee in there, especially for people who were busy on the rest of the night so they can come see the show. Now, my tickets are $25 a piece, base price, but for active duty military, students, senior citizens, and actors, it's
0: $20. Okay.
4: And you can get tickets through Brown Paper Tickets. That'll make life a lot easier for you. And we'll be running from the 7th of October through the 30th. Too bad we can't do some Halloween, but that's a Monday, and my rent expires that day.
0: So when I went to see it, it was only for two weekends. and uh, yeah. I mean, I made it a point to go see it both weekends because it was just fantastic. You're going to be doing this for nearly a month. so What's that, four shows? Or four weekends? Excuse me?
4: Yeah. Wow. Also, this is something I'm used to doing with. My director John Young. Okay. When we worked together in the past, we've actually only had a month of rehearsals followed by a month of performance. Now we've got this long rehearsal period that I insisted on for this show that's so difficult. But the reward is we're going to have this show running for a whole month. Now, most people are used to seeing here in Tucson seeing shows run for two weeks, done and gone.
2: Right. But we're going
4: to do it for twice that length of time. But one thing we've noticed that you know the first week or so of a show Not too many people show up, but when the word starts to spread, the audiences start growing. And I know by the end of the month, Halloween time, everybody's going to want to see this show.
0: There are some scares. I mean, it does get a little spooky. It's Karloff. It's Frankenstein. It is so much more than that, though. And I think if you come for the scares, you're going to walk away with so much more having seen the show. And I mean, just hearing you do the voice, like I said earlier, I'm getting chills, man.
2: That's the idea.
4: I'm good at giving chills. Yeah, I know. love to do those scream and scram pops, you know.
0: Oh, man.
4: Um, the, the funny part is I'm actually about Karloff's size, too. You know, everybody pictures him as being a great big guy. Uh-huh. He is actually just average size, average build, and with a funny walk, which is my normal walk anyway.
0: Well, I'm excited to hear how it goes. I'm excited for the, the success of this show, because I'm sure it's going to be a success. People see it thing. the same- Man, you've got to see it. I cannot stress this enough. This is such an excellent script, and I just talking to you, I can hear the heart and the enthusiasm in what you're putting together.
4: I love my boldest believe me. Yeah, got a man crush on him, you might say.
0: Well, I, I wish you the best of luck with the show. I, I really hope it goes well. Please keep me posted. You know, with with what's going on with the yeah you know, with the crowdfunding campaign and how the show goes. And listeners, if you're in the area, or even if you're not, make it a point to get to the area. I think it's going to be a good time. Yes. Charles, I want to thank you for your time today. I know it was kind of up early, and you were out late haunting people. So thank you for getting up early enough to record today.
4: Oh, I have plenty of things to do in the morning, like studying my script.
0: Oh, there you go. See, that's dedication to the craft right there.
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah. playing around with computer files for the music and the soundtrack and the cues and all the other stuff, too. It's being
0: exciting. All right. Well, best of luck, Charles. Thank you again. Thank you, Derek. All right. You heard the soft sell. I'm going to make it a hard sell. Go to Indiegogo.com. Look up Karloff the Play. You're going to find the crowdfunding site, the campaign that Charles has put together to bring Karloff to the masses of Tucson, Arizona. As of this release, there are 19 days left for him to hit his $6,000 goal. And I think us Monster Kids can help him out. So go check it out. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes. Also, you can follow along the Indiegogo campaign through the Karloff Facebook page. Go to facebook.com slash cprocopkarloff, C P R O. K-O-P-P-K-A-R-L-O-F-F or just follow the link in the show notes and you can see the Facebook page there and be up to date on all the news involving this upcoming production. Now, we mentioned earlier the bonus that Randy Bowser is making available. Karloff, the video yours for a pledge. Pledge $50 or more to the Indiegogo campaign and gain free access to the video of the premiere production which Sarah Karloff herself attended and called superb. I know a lot of you were interested in the original production that Randy mounted here in Oregon. This is a way for you to see the production and help support an upcoming production. And finally, if you're a theater person, if you are involved in a theater company and you are looking to bring something to the stage, you're going to be hard-pressed to find something more moving, more motivating, more inspiring, and more entertaining than Off the One Man Play. If you want to license the script and put on the show yourself, well, get a hold of Randy Bowser, I tell you. It might sound like I'm over-exaggerating here, but I'm going to be honest with you guys and gals. Seeing Karloff is one of the highlights of my Monster Kid Radio, well, let's call it career. One of the most important things to happen to me because of Monster Kid Radio is being connected with Randy Bowser and seeing his one-man show, to see his performance, his direction, and just revel in the, you know what, I'm laying it on a little thick, but, you know, it's warranted. Karloff... Needs to be seen by as many people as possible. Charles Prokop is doing the work to get it shown to people in Arizona, and I wish him the best of luck.
3: Coming from Gooey Films, an adventure like no other. From the mind of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Watson! The year is 1896, and Sherlock Holmes faces his most peculiar case yet. The Mystery of the Six Napoleons. Good, thank you. Come, Watson, the game is afoot. Joshua Kennedy as the master detective, a new and exciting Sherlock Holmes. I dare call nothing trivial, Watson, nothing. You'll remember how the dreadful case of the Abernethy family was first brought to my attention by the depth, depth which, of which the, the parsley, parsley had it sunk into the butter on a hot day. Yes, yes, we all know what you did. Bessie Nellis, Doctor Watson's most beautiful portrayer. It is clear that the possession of this trifling bust was worth more in the eyes of our strange criminal than that of a human life. Jonathan Danziger's as Inspector Lestrade. Amy Zilliacs is Missus Hudson. Also starring a cavalcade of great talent, Jake Williams, Tracy Thomas, George Chapper, Michael Rosenfeld, Will McKinley, Mark Holmes.
5: Yes, it's quite humorous
3: if I do say so myself. Well, there it is. The return of Sherlock Holmes. See it in Gooey School.
1: Well, Cindy, this is the last box. Supermates has now officially moved into Fire and Water Podcast Headquarters.
2: Where do
5: you want this Starman short box?
1: Put it over by the classic monster DVDs. Be careful. Don't crush my superpowers Batmobile.
5: Calm down, Christopher. Hey, you put the Star Trek DVDs on top of my comic-action Wonder Woman invisible plane. Oh, <sighs>
1: jeez well uh, now we can tell everyone that supermates can be found exclusively at FireAndWaterPodcast.com.
5: Now, if they subscribe via iTunes, they shouldn't notice a change, right?
1: Right. Or if they listen through the main Fire & Water network feed. No change. They can just find the show's home, show notes, etc. here at FireAndWaterPodcast.com.
5: Well, I'm going to go take a dip in the Aquaman-sized swimming pool Rob has, but I am not putting on that mirror costume. It smells
1: fishy. Oh, come on. It'll be fun. Hey, hey, don't trip over that life-size Shag Standy. <laughs>
5: thing is disturbingly real
1: supermates the husband and wife geek
0: cast now a proud member of the fire and water podcast network find us on itunes or at fireandwaterpodcast.com I wanted to take a second to let you know about some things that are coming up here on monster kid radio normally i'd save this for the monster kid radio gazette but i haven't put an issue of that out lately more on that later so i thought i'd share it with you here in the middle of this episode I'm not going to tell you what's coming up next week because well i'll mention that at the end of the show no spoilers but in future weeks I'm working on setting up a roundtable discussion with two horror hosts, one you've heard on the show, one you haven't, about the television series Night Gallery. I've got another mini roundtable that I'm working on putting together with somebody that you've heard before and somebody you haven't about the 1993 film Matinee. To get a little more specific, Scott Morris and I are working on lining up a time to take our final trip to the Planet of the Apes franchise, at least the original run, when he and I are going to talk about 1971's Escape from the Planet of the Apes. And then after that episode, I'm working on putting together a massive planet roundtable with Scott and myself and a handful of other people that you have heard on the show before and some, well, actually, I think in this case it is people you've heard on the show. Anyway, that'll be coming down the line. Hey, and do you like anthology horror films? I do. And so does Larry Underwood. You might know him as a horror host, Dr. Gain Green. Well, I know him as a big old fan of Peter Cushing. So he and I are going to talk about the movie The Uncanny, starring Peter Cushing and Ray Milland, and I think Donald Pleasant's in there, ain't he? That'll be fun. And then I'm also working with Jeff Martin here at the Joy Cinema to potentially be involved in their big Halloween plans later this year. And of course, if that happens, well, I'll bring you a lot of coverage to the podcast. It's been a little over a month now, actually maybe even longer than that. Stephen D. Sullivan and I sat down and we recorded an episode announcing the winners of this year's Monster Rally Retro Awards. You know, the rallies where we honor the best in genre cinema. I've been sitting on the results of that, and Steve and I may need to get back together to re-record some of it because oh, Skype hated us that day. But that'll be coming here in the near future as well. Of course, I'm not going to be able to get with Steve right away to do that because he's right now in the middle of his Tournament of Death 4 action fantasy novel being written live during the Summer Olympics. Go check it out on Kickstarter if you want in on that hot action. This is the fourth time he's done Tournament of Death. It's the final. Everything is wrapping up, and he's already even hit his first stretch goal, but there's more work ahead of him, and as of this release, there's three days left, so go check out Tournament of Death 4 on Kickstarter to get some Stephen D. Sullivan in your diet.
1: This is the story of Dracula, a creature who destroys all whom he touches. Dracula the terrifying, the feared, who sleeps in the tombs of the dead by day and arises at night to inflict his terror upon the innocent and the unsuspecting.
2: You must help me, you must. You're my only help, you must. I'll help you, I promise.
1: Please try and understand. This is not Lucy, the sister you loved. It's only a shell, possessed and corrupted by the evil of Dracula. How do you destroy a fiend who has so far proven himself indestructible? Those who come to end his reign of terror stay to become his victims. The castle Dracula is somewhere here in Klausenburg. Will you tell me how I get there? You
3: ordered a meal, sir. As an innkeeper, it's my duty to serve you. When you've eaten, I ask you to go and leave us in peace. This is the doctor who dares
1: to challenge the vampire Dracula. This is the anguished man who fears for the lives of his beloved, the girl who is his sister and the one that is his wife. Dracula, the bedeviled master of all that is evil.
0: To Welcome to Monster Kid Radio, a Rondo Hatton brother. I've got Jason Brower on the phone. He won the Rondo Award last year, or I guess this year. This year. It was this year, actually. The Linda Miller Award for Fan Artist of the Year. Jason Brower, welcome to Monster Kid Radio.
4: How you doing, Derek? Nice to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity.
0: Um, I can't wait to start talking. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. But first... Listeners, i got to tell you, you got to check out this guy's artwork. He did not win the Rondo Hatton Award for nothing. His artwork, man, I was looking at it all week, getting ready for this interview and just getting lost in in what he's been doing and seeing the different types of of subject matter that he does. Now, obviously, we're going to talk about classic monsters and classic horror because that's what we do here on Monster Kid Radio, but you've got some modern stuff. You've got some work you've been doing for so We're going to hit on all that, but before we get to that, there's a game that we play here on Monster Kid Radio called The Classic Five. It's a way for listeners to kind of get to know new guests to the show. I've got a deck of cards here, about a hundred and so cards. Each card has a question, a yes or no, this or that style question about classic horror. Oh, cool. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to shuffle, I'm going to shuffle the deck here. I only
2: answer
0: yes or no. Yes or no, this or that. You know, do you like this movie okay. better, that movie better? Okay. You can expand on it if you want, that sort of thing. There's no wrong answers. Sure. That's the important part. Sounds great. All right, so give it a couple of shuffles here. All right, from the top of the deck, card number one, what is your favorite Abbott and Costello meet monster movie?
4: Easily Frankenstein, no question. <laughs> no thought process there. No! Look out, Shit!
1: The nation's top comics, Abbott and Costello, petrified, but hilariously. (laughs) Plus the dangerous and terrifying Wolfman, played by Lon Chaney. Plus that fiend out of a nightmare, the vampire Batman Count Dracula, played by Bela Lugosi. Plus the most dreaded creature of them all, the Frankenstein monster, played by Glenn Strange plus a couple of luscious but designing females in the spookiest laugh fest on record.
4: When I was a kid, my brother and I would just wait, you know, that very distinct intro. You knew within seconds if it was going to be the meet Frankenstein. And, you know, we'd sit there with our fingers crossed and hoping and hoping. And I'd say, actually, 90% of the time they did show I was Costello me Frankenstein, which was good for us, so for me you can't beat that it's got three monsters in it and it's just a great actually four technically with the invisible man but um yeah that that's it for me hands down, no question
0: well to be fair it's not like you actually see the invisible man ah, ah, ah. that,
4: is true. that yeah,
0: is true okay it's early <laughs> <laughs> no that, that's that's the one i think most people go with it's it's I such a great so. film and so. even the opening credits are fantastic
4: yeah, absolutely. It's absolute classic.
0: All right, card number two. And, you know, listeners who have been listening for a while, uh, they know that the Classic Five has a way of bringing up topics and cards that may be kind of sort of related to the guest or the conversation at hand. Card number two, and this was not planned. Rondo Award winner Jason Brower, what is your favorite Rondo Hatton film? <laughs>
4: wow. Um, I haven't seen that many, I hate to say. yeah, But um probably... Uh, was it the Creeper? Yeah, I have to say that honestly, I hate to admit, but I not really, i don't really know his work that well. Well, he didn't know? do a heck
0: of a lot. He didn't do a lot of films.
4: So. No, no. But I, the one I do want to see is the one that was actually that the award was based on, was *The House of Horrors* or something like that. Mm, okay. The guy was actually building the bust of him in the movie, the giant like Easter Island looking thing, and then they, I think that's what the award was actually based on. As a winner of that, I should see that movie. I think.
0: <laughs> All right, card number three. Oh, Boris Karloff or Bela Lugosi? Oh,
4: my God. Um, well, without, you know, without thinking too much about it, I'd probably, knee jerk reaction would be Boris Karloff. But then, you know, if I think about it, you know, it, it's, it's a hard one. You know, I, again, for me, Dracula, I'm going to go with Christopher Lee. Um, as much as I love Bela Lugosi, and, you know, but Frankenstein's monster, Karloff cannot be topped in my eyes, so. For you know the iconic imagery and roles, I think uh, the Mummy and uh, Frankenstein's Monster for Karloff. But you know you got Igor and Dracula, and I mean it's a hard one, it's a really hard one. But I'll say Karloff.
0: Hey, like I said, there's no wrong answer, so good enough, right. fair
4: that's enough. A, that's a tough one, though. That's definitely a tough one.
0: All right, card number five. I'm sorry. I guess this is four, isn't it? It's card number four. It's still early. Are we, going, are we
4: going through all hundred? Are we going through all hundred cards?
0: No, hey man, we're doing five. We got five. It's a classic five. So card number four. Here we go. What is your <laughs> What is your go to film to introduce someone to classic monster movies?
4: Wow, that is a good one. I'd probably say maybe the Bride of Frankenstein.
0: Ooh, yeah.
4: Or Frankenstein. You know, one of those as far as the classic. Um, I'm a huge Lon Chaney Sr. fan, like my all-time favorite actor. But, you know, the silent stuff and a lot of people, for some reason, whatever it is, can't really connect with it. Sorry, I, I might say Hunchback or Phantom, but probably, uh, yeah, Brian Frankenstein, the classic. It's like a great intro, I think, to uh, the classic stuff. Right on. I like that answer.
0: <laughs> hey, I, like I said, no wrong answer. I, I'm on board. I, Bride of Frankenstein's a classic. Exactly. I think, I think uh, with my wife, that's the only one I've ever shown her. So there's going to be something for it, right? Well, there you go. All right, last card, and I think I know the answer to this one. Favorite actor to play the Phantom of the Opera? <laughs>
4: yeah, well, there you go. Another foreshadowing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Lon um, Chaney Sr. Yeah. He can't be tough.
0: It's iconic, man. We we call what for he me. does uh, legendary for a reason, that, that exactly. film. Exactly.
4: Although I have to say, I did really enjoy the Robert Englund version. I don't know if a lot of people have even seen that, but uh, uh, that's
0: from the uh, late '80s, isn't it? I think it well, maybe it, even 89, early '89,
4: yeah. somewhere in there. Yes, uh, no later than '91, I don't think. So that was a decent, you know, a decent version. But yeah, Ron Chaney Sr., is just on top, you know. Sure no question.
0: All right, so that's the classic five. I hope listeners got to know you a little bit more. But if they didn't. Let's chat about what you do. Let them know a little bit more about you. Okay. Now, I did I did a little bit of research about you uh, over the past week or so. I was going through your website, and your history readings, interviews. You've been drawing for a while.
4: Yeah, very, very long time. was three years old. And uh, I was drawing monsters very early on, you know. So I, mean, I don't just draw monsters. I draw a lot of other things. And lately, it's more painting. Yeah, I've been involved and into that stuff for a very long time.
0: And you started with the classic monsters, which is the best way to start, I think, with anything. Monsters sure. make everything better, right?
4: Absolutely. Being a you know a kid in the 70s, there was tons of stuff. Yeah, you know, Monsters were everywhere, of course, in the 50s and 60s. But I was very fortunate that my father also was into all this stuff when I was very little. So I would read his issues of Creepy and Eerie, and uh, he would turn me on to Hammer Films and suggest this or that. you know. And it was really cool having a father that was into all that stuff, you know. That's where I got my schooling, in a sense, you know, the
0: start of it anyway. That's a parenting win. It's a parenting (laughs) win right there. Big win, yes. Big win. (laughs) Big win. So you grew up watching these things, and he put you on the path of Hammer right away, huh?
4: Oh, absolutely. I remember watching those probably six years old. Wow. Easy. I mean, I'm thinking back, and there was no question. Dracula has risen from the grave. It's probably my favorite dracula film from hammer and that's the one that has the woman in the bell in the very beginning there's blood coming down the rope and everything and she mm-hmm. pulled out of the bell and i just that image you know i remember that image from a very young age and it stuck with me you know and the picture of him staked in the coffin the very iconic image stills like, i used to see those stills everywhere you know just great stuff you know <laughs> i mean most kids would probably be scared of that stuff, but um, I think most of us, you know, that are into this stuff were like that at that age. You know, I don't have all these great memories about it.
0: I wasn't really encouraged to watch a lot of horror movies myself when I was a kid, but for some reason, the black and white monster movies were okay. So that's what I fell into. Yeah. But I, I mean, those, I, I can't imagine growing up with those, those hammer films, how, how much more different things would be for me now. <laughs>
4: They, Yeah, they probably will. It would be, you know. I mean, like I said, it definitely had an impact. Sure. Um, I remember those from being very little, you know. I'm a normal person, I think. <laughs> you know, it didn't scar me or anything.
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't trying to imply anything, man. I'm just, just saying. No, I'm just, I'm just
4: being silly. <laughs> but uh, I thank. I'm very thankful for the horror upbringing that I had. Cool things. My parents never said, no, you can't watch this. No, you can't do that. I was into Kiss at a very early age, the band Kiss. A lot of friends I had, their parents, they thought they were the devil. So I had a very cool, I have very cool parents, and I had a great childhood and upbringing. I have no complaints.
0: You know, you mentioned Kiss, and you know, you you had some music things happening for a little while. It looks like you kind of drift away from artwork. You had a handful of bands, right?
4: Oh yeah, I'm a musician also. Oh, okay, um, drummer, still okay. First, oh still, absolutely, yeah. But but the thing is, is that you know art was going for a very long time and then I started playing drums at 10 and I was able to balance everything you know art just kind of took a back seat for a while when music really took over in my teens I was still doing the occasional thing here and there I'd make flyers for my bands and stuff like that or if somebody wanted something whatever but yeah music just was everything and uh until recently until about four years ago um, I guess I'll segue into the Topps work now, if that's okay. I mean,
0: No, I was going to ask you, because I, I think the way you kind of fell back into doing artwork and, and I mean, what put you on the path to winning the Rondo and everything else, I think it's a fascinating story, and I was going to ask you to share that with our listeners.
4: I went to work at the Topps Vault, right in my town, a Topps trading card company. You know, everybody knows them for the baseball cards. And I, on my resume, my girlfriend like, pretty much made me put that I was an artist just in the extras, you know, just for the heck of it. I threw it on there. My boss was looking at my resume, and long story short, within a week, I was doing sketch cards for the company. That means that you're doing hand-drawn or painted or whatever medium you use on the size of a baseball card. You're doing, for whatever license you're working on, whether it's a Wacky Packages or Garbage Pail Kids or Star Wars or all those licenses, cool stuff, you're going to do... So many cards to the company, maybe 100, could be up to 400, it depends, you know. And uh, it's all one-of-one one artwork. you you know, hand-done, you send those back, and you get a certain amount for yourself to keep, do whatever you want with. But that got me back into it before I knew it. And I collected Wacky Packages as a kid, too. You know, so that was like a real, a real trip, you know, it was real trippy to be now drawing these characters for the license, you know, the official license. That was really cool, <laughs> you know. So I got back into that, and the time went on. Within a year, I got bolder and more confident getting back into it, and I started reaching out to other companies, and then I started reaching out into you know anything I could find, magazine work, you know, you name it, I was looking for it. And um, before I knew it, I was doing sketch cards for four companies: Upper Deck, Tops, Monster Wax, Viceroy, all different types of subjects. And it's great. And I'm actually working on a Star Wars set right now. Oh, wow. Um, for Tops. Yeah, I'm actually finishing it up. So and I just did a Doctor Strange set for Upper Deck.
2: Ooh, so that's nice. great.
4: You know, that's a great, great, fun thing to really get your name out there. And you get a fan base. You know, I do the cons and all that stuff. And it's a lot of fun, you know. But then I landed some work with Little Shop of Horror magazine. Um, I'm sure most people that are listening to this would know that magazine. Um, Richard Clemenson, the
2: mm-hmm. editor, mm-hmm.
4: The owner of the magazine. It focuses on British horror, specifically Hammer, so that's another dream come true. But I, I do interior artwork for it, so the last issue was a great issue dedicated to Franklin Langella's Dracula. You know, they, there's so much information in these issues, of stuff, you know. They go through every detail and you can imagine and this issue happened to be specifically on that one film. Usually they cover a few, but um, it's a great magazine and uh, so you drew artwork, of course, you know, based on whatever the topic is and it's just great, great stuff to be able to draw the Hammer stuff you know, and have it published in magazines is incredible. And then SQ Horror is the most recent thing I got involved with. It's an up-and-coming magazine You know, again, that's the thing I was talking about um where I do the panel. you I would put the one panel on uh horrific halls of history. And uh it's just a great way to do original work without using much reference, which I really like to do. You know, once in a while I use a lot of reference sometimes, but it's nice to just pull things out of your imagination in your head. Of course, you're doing um, doing these things based on real people. It's just a fun thing to be involved with, and hopefully there's going to be more, you know.
0: And SQ Horror, that just started earlier this year, didn't it?
4: Well, it a couple of months ago, actually. Yeah.
0: I have to admit, I'm not oh, I'm not familiar with it, but after chatting with you, I'm going to go look it up, especially if you've got a full panel in there. And we were talking before we started recording about what this really is, and, and you started to talk about it a little bit. It's basically... Uh, a look at a monster, not necessarily a movie monster. So it's some sort of monster with real world roots. Is that what you were saying?
4: Horrific Halls of History. So it's going to focus on real life monsters, quote unquote, like Jack the Ripper, Elizabeth Battery, Vlad the Impaler, all that kind of stuff, you know. The first one I did was Elizabeth Battery. And the second one I did, which is coming out for the August issue, is Peter Stump, The Werewolf of Bedburg i you're familiar with that uh, hmm. lore. Very interesting stuff. Ray Nichols is the guy in charge of that magazine. Great guy, also. And hopefully, I'll be doing cover work soon.
0: So oh wow! I'm really okay. Excited,
4: really excited for that.
0: Have you had a chance to do any cover art before, or would this be the first no, time? No,
4: no. This would be the first one. I did a book cover once, but <laughs> for magazine horror stuff, would would be my first. And I'm hoping that. uh,
0: that comes through. You know, know, I'm looking it up. It looks like SQ Horror does have a website, so we'll make sure there's a link to that in the show notes. And they also have a Facebook presence, so we'll make sure that's there as well. Listeners should check that out to check out some of your artwork. But I want to get back to Little Shop of Horrors because that's, you know, that's that's a magazine that's near and dear to my heart. I've been reading that for years once I first discovered it. Of course, yeah. And, and, you know, for a guy who grew up watching Hammer films, that's got to be a dream.
4: It really is a dream. (laughs) I mean, you know, I'd be, I'd be doing this stuff anyway, you know, just for my personal interest, just drawing or painting this stuff anyway. So to be able to do it and have it published in a magazine and have people see it is just really um,
0: incredible. A Little Shop of Horrors, it, it is the standard uh, when it comes to Hammer Films and, and British Films and listeners. If you're not reading yep. it, I mean, come on, what are you doing? What are you you got to read this magazine. It's one of the best, especially when it comes to Hammer film material. You know, what is it about the Hammer films for you? I mean, you said you were watching them growing up, and I don't know if it's just a nostalgia thing, yeah. but what is it about the Hammer films that draws you in more than anything else?
4: Believe it or not, I think it's the fact that I consider myself kind of an Anglophile. Okay. So, okay. I mean, I don't have to say any more. I mean, that says, <laughs> that says it all, you know. But having the love of horror, England, gothic stuff. I mean, that's like a served-up platter of awesomeness right there. I mean, it's everything I just mentioned and more. But it is the way they tell the stories, the imagery, the music, I mean, the look of it. It's just all there, you know? It's, it's really just great stuff.
3: No cotton could ever hold him. Far his way. He is back from the dead. Count Dracula is alive. Dracula has risen from the grave. Dracula. The most fearsome name in any language. The most feared being ever to haunt the living.
0: And you mentioned Dracula has risen from the grave, I and mean, that's one of the iconic Christopher Lee Dracula films. He did he did Dracula seven times, didn't he? Seven or eight? I for Hammer? Well, for Hammer, yeah, I think
4: it's... Yeah, it's about,
0: Yeah, I hope I didn't just... Uh, sty- oh, no, me too. We're both like,
4: uh... I <laughs> might be six, actually. It's six or seven.
0: Yeah, and then he did, he did it for uh, just Franco and a couple other... T- yeah, but... For
4: camera,
0: yeah, and Dracula Dracula Prince
4: of Darkness. mm -hmm, I'm mm -hmm. sorry,
0: no, no, no. Go ahead. No, Dracula, Prince of Darkness was fantastic. I was was going to say,
4: "Hard." The the original Dracula from '58, Prince Mm -hmm. of Darkness. The only one I'm not that big a fan of is "Taste the Blood of Dracula." The film itself is great in the sense of what it's doing and what it looks like and the storyline, but Dracula himself is like the wimpiest. Dracula—he doesn't do anything. He has like women kill people for, like his victims kill other people for him, you know. And that just to me doesn't say a word at all. He says he keeps counting down the victims, like the first, the second. To me, it's just kind of like a lame entry. But most people say *Scars of Dracula* is the worst, which I actually happen to love.
3: So there
0: you oh, go. Oh, really? There. Okay.
3: There is no escape, not even for the protected from the scars. Of- Dracula. Take her with you. You'll do terrible things to her if you don't.
4: Terrible things. The main complaints people have about that film are the rubber bat, and the sets look really cheap, they say, and some of the acting, they say, is really awful and over-the-top, but I don't want this to turn into a Scars of Dracula debate, but for me, I think if they cut out the intro where the bat comes in and drips the blood down to resurrect Dracula... A lot of people talk about that. That's the biggest complaint they have. If the movie starts with the guy walking through the field carrying his daughter, I think it's a totally different perception of the film. Yeah, And the church scene where the the bats come in and just slaughter the whole congregation in the (laughs) church. I mean, there's some crazy stuff going on. It's it's just a good
0: one. Yeah, yeah. I have yet to find a Hammer film that I completely dislike. So, I mean, there are some that push it, but... You know, overall, I'm always able to find something that I enjoy. When you said you there is one or two sure. that you didn't like, I was starting to hold my breath. I was like, please don't say Dracula 72.
3: Yesterday, Dracula was the most fearsome being the screen has ever seen. Today, tonight, you, you, you could be Dracula's next victim. Uh-oh. Nothing new, yet as old as time.
2: Come on, Johnny.
3: A date with the devil. Are you ready? He's ready. He's waiting to freak you out. Right out of this world. He died September the 18th, 1872. A hundred years ago to the day.
0: That's one of my favorites, actually. I love the last two Christopher Lee Dracula films.
4: Satanic Rights, I'm not a fan of, but I love AD 72. Oh, so, so good. There you go. You know? And again, I haven't seen all the Hammer films. I have not seen Demons of the Mind. I have not seen... There's tons that I haven't seen. so I can't really say what's the worst. You know, Vengeance of She, people always talk about that kind oh, of stuff. Oh, okay.
0: Okay, maybe that's one.
4: That <laughs> yeah, you know, or *Lust for a Vampire, I think, is another one that we, totally totally... Uh, I have to see that again but I don't really recall uh, hating it that much
0: man if only there was a podcast you could listen to that would tell you about all these different Hammer films I wonder
4: I know
0: (laughs) and at this point in the recording we're going to insert the promo for my Hammer films podcast
5: (laughs) Hammer film productions began in 1934 and after producing almost 200 films and television programs the studio is still releasing and re-releasing new and classic film titles 1951 Place is the podcast that brings you the story of the great Hammer films, one movie at a time. Here are your hosts, describing what Hammer means to them. First is Casey.
0: Hammer means the beautiful and glamorous women of Hammer horror, the engaging storytelling and amazing period films. Joining him is Derek. Hammer means the incredible work of actors like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and even Michael Ripper, the gothic storytelling, the incredible music, and the set pieces.
5: And finally, here's Scott. Um, well, Hammer means how to get a nail into a block of wood. This boy has a lot to learn. Join our hosts as they make their journey through the Hammer Films catalogue and discuss each film with critical opinion, historical facts, production notes, and other information about these classic films. 1951 Downplace can be found in iTunes or their website, www.1951downplace.com. Should I have said Hammer Pants? 1951 Down Place, the home of Hammer Films discussion. Perfect. Well, Um,
4: you know, regardless, Hammer Films are very important to me and very very awesome.
0: I think when you look at the, the... I don't know if you'd call it like the family tree or or the flowchart of classic horror. You mm-hmm. got Universal, you got Hammer. Without those two, I mean those those are the sure, basics. Sure. Those, those are the building oh, sure. blocks for so many monster kids. And uh, yeah, Absolutely. Dracula eighty nineteen seventy two. I love that film a lot. And and even Satanic Rides I like. Yeah,
4: yeah. Talk about eighty seventy two for two seconds. If that that has the the best intro,
0: yes. to any Hammer
4: film. Yes. And for me, I start wishing that that was the finale of a film that was totally Gothic to me, that would have been the ultimate Dracula hammer film. That was the finale. And before all that was like the ultimate Gothic Dracula hammer film. You know, it's just so cool, but it works the way, you know, the way it goes to modern day. Oh, it's great.
0: It's the perfect James Bond opening for a Dracula film. It's like the end of <laughs> yep. the last adventure that we move. On. I just, it's perfect. It's so great. Yeah, it really. Is. And, and it really the costume is. that Cushing gets to wear as as Van Helsing's, I mean, it's just yep. such a, yep. a brilliant film. And man, oh, I could keep talking about eighty seventy two. <laughs>
4: I know, it's the thing. It turns into five hours of, of Amherst
0: films, you know. We, we were joking. listeners. we were joking beforehand on Facebook that if we didn't have something in mind to talk about, we could probably just go on for like five. You know, I could probably get like a month's worth of content out of this conversation.
4: Probably. like Yeah. You can, you, can re, you can play a part of it it could be like a five part interview series or something, I don't know there,
0: there you go, there you go so I got to ask you, you know, we're talking about the Dracula films, the Hammer films and just another film that seems to be kind of divisive Brides of Dracula, what are your thoughts on that one?
3: Brides of Dracula? Listen to the beat of your heart, Marianne you hear the beat of fear within you fear that will rise to a shattering crescendo of terror you have strayed into a world of evil where frightened people are held in the grip of unearthly horror. Beware of pity for the handsome prisoner in the Castle Meister. Beware of love, for in your heart is only the pulsating throb of terror. Starring Peter Cushing as the Doctor locked in mortal combat with overwhelming evil. A
0: lot of people say it's the best
4: hammer film ever. Whoa! whoa. Oh yeah, I've wow. heard nothing but great, great things about that movie, and I love it
0: actually. I'm a big fan too. So I just was curious. I mean, it's, for me, yeah. that's, that's Peter Cushing's film. For me, I mean, that's, that's just Cushing as Van Helsing yep. doing his best. That's for me. That's sure. where I go. Okay, all right. So some people are like, "Well, there's no Christopher Lee." So lastly, maybe in um,
4: the Hammer thing, like probably one of my favorite Hammer films is *Christopher
3: Werewolf. It came from a land of brutality and evil. It came from terror and fear, the curse of the werewolf that was laid on a baby who grew into a man possessed by a monster. Spanish town, the night brought drinking and dancing, music and girls, and the moon, the full moon that turned an innocent man into a savage beast, the curse of the werewolf, a man possessed by a frenzied lust to kill and kill and kill, the curse of the werewolf, a man possessed by a desperate need for love who found in Christina all the passionate sincerity of youth. Christina, do you love me? Will you marry me, Christina? You say you love me, will you marry me?
2: Yes. Yes, I will.
4: just love that one.
0: There's a fantastic Oliver Reed performance in that.
4: Oh, yeah.
0: Have you ever drawn or, or painted Oliver Reed?
4: Yeah, I did a sketch card and a four by six of the person, the werewolf. But I plan on doing a bigger collage piece because Yvonne I mean, come on, you know. yeah,
2: well,
4: yeah. <laughs> my my all time favorite Hammer actress. So there you go. <laughs> but
0: anyway, now she's again. We could start talking about yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, she's fantastic too. Hammer was yeah. Hammer was good at, at putting the 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 right people in front of the camera. So sure. Sure. good stuff but you know like i said it, it's both universal it's hammer and for you uh we go even further back you've got some mad love not to talk about like peter laurie films but you got some mad love for lon cheney senior
4: absolutely again <laughs> i was doing impressions of him when i was like three years old you know again going way back
2: oh wow you know
4: i put i, I tighten my sweatshirt hood around my face and like clutch my neck and put my hand out and imitate the hunchback and I mean, I had pictures of it. I just I don't have them anymore, but I, I have the proof, you know? And, again, I'm trying to think, like, where would I... I mean, again, my father was a big horror fan, but I'm trying to, like, really pinpoint when these things came into my life and what made me, you know, Lon Chaney Sr. at three or four years old, the silent film star. You're like, what, what's the connection there? You know, like, something about him... His performances, his characters, you know, and it's not just the horror stuff either. I mean, there's tons of other characters and films that are incredible. The Unknown, I don't know if you know that one. Oh, yeah. It's about a circus. No, that's a great he one. He plays Alonzo the Armless, one of my all-time favorites. You know, it's just incredible. He's just an incredible actor, you know, and it's just something about him, you know, something about him that I connect with.
0: You mentioned that it wasn't just a horror. I mean, really, he is known to us as the guy who did The Phantom, The Hunchback, uh, the vampire from London after midnight, which unfortunately we'll never get a chance to see. I know, I'm
4: hoping.
0: Oh, God, yeah. But his filmography (laughs) is just, it's full of just character work that isn't necessarily, you know, horrific or monstrous. There's some of that in there. Yeah. But he was more than just a horror guy. I mean, for us monster kids, it's, it's important that he's a yep, horror absolutely. guy, but some of the other stuff that he did is, is fantastic in the master of makeup. I mean, he truly was the man of a thousand faces.
4: And if you think about it, there was, there was only really maybe three horror horror roles that he did. You know, you just named them all. But there was always the element of horror in his movies. They were always kind of dark. Mm-hmm. A lot. Not always, but and again, Todd Browning, you know, so if you're connected with that guy, um, they were an incredible team, you know.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, Lon Chaney Senior. And Junior too, you know? Yeah. Definitely uh great oh yeah, the Wolfman. Again, the list goes, he's like, I think he's the only actor that played all the classic monsters, isn't he?
0: That's right, yeah, he did. Mummy,
4: mummy. I Monster, Dracula, Wolfman.
0: No, he he was a uh, Universal's uh utility player there for a little while. That's right. He might not have liked doing the mummy all the time, but I love him as the mummy. Right. Sure. Which, which I don't blame him, I mean, it looks like an uncomfortable costume and he was a bigger guy, yeah, so you know, it. I get it. But yeah, sure. Sure, different kind of characterization than what his father would have brought to the role i think i mean the the, the kind of acting is a little different and part of it i think is silent film versus talkies right but right. there is something about salon cheney senior that you can get lost in just yeah. there's always that darkness and you mentioned todd browning yeah i feel like he's an underrated director when it comes to a lot of these films he, he, dracula is a little stagey sure but if you look yeah, at his silent yeah. films hmm. oh
4: yeah that's the best stuff right there and with cheney you know it's like they had a combination of talent there. They just knew each other very well, I guess. And I think he let him, I think Browning let Chaney go. I think he let him do what he wanted to do with very minimal direction. I don't know that for a fact, but I'm I'm guessing they had such a great relationship that they trusted each other, you know, and it just really worked.
0: Do you have a favorite Chaney film, Chaney Senior film?
4: Well, like I said before, The Unknown um, is definitely up there, as well as, of course, the classic stuff that we all love. There's Monster Kids, you know, Phantom and Hunchback and Mm -hmm. The London After Midnight character is probably one of my favorites. And if you really look at it, it's a very simple makeup. There's not a lot of makeup on him. It's the prosthetic teeth and the eyes, you know, the wires in the eyes. But that's really it, aside from the wig, too. But the facial makeup, there's really nothing on his face. You know, when you look at that face, with those teeth and those eyes, it's frightening, you know?
0: Oh, it's it's pretty intense, and, and there's a part of me, I mean, I want to see the film, and I, and I know it's a lost know, film, and the chances of it are, are nil. There's a part of me, though, that's a little worried that if it ever does turn up, that it's not going to live up to that one image, because you know, that one image well, is so creepy. Actually, yeah, That's been talked about a lot,
4: people that have actually seen it
2: when mm-hmm. it came
4: out. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen any documentaries on him, but Turner Classic just, they released a uh, great box set of his stuff, I think, maybe 10 years ago, or a little longer, Great documentary, Kenneth Brown uh, narrates. And um, people say that it was actually not that great a film, which was kind of disappointing because you want it to be the best thing ever, you know.
0: Right. But
4: um, I think certain things are better off left, you know, like you just said, if you if it's surfaced it might not live up to those skills we see, you know. And I think there's that mystery about it, and you look at those pictures whether it's just him or like, there's also a recreation of the film in stills on that box set.
0: I've seen that. And I think I have seen that kind of Prana documentary too.
4: So you get an idea close idea of what the movie was kind of like, and you know, you're not seeing it um, moving, but you see a, a lot of stills. I couldn't believe that they had enough to really put that back together. It's like finding out who Jack the Ripper was, you know, do you really want to like, I, I don't, you know, it's, Part of the the thing about that for me is not knowing who it is. There's been thousands of theories, but you know, on everything you read or or listen to, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, Lewis Carroll was definitely Jack the Ripper. But then you read the next theory, oh yeah, you know, he's he was definitely Jack the Ripper. You know, so it's very convincing. I don't want to know. You know, I love that mystery about it.
0: yeah. I always heard that Jack the Ripper was a time traveler who went to the 70s and was chased by H.G. Wells. So, you know, that's what I heard. <laughs>
4: Exactly. And it's like, yeah, of course.
0: That's the answer, you know. <laughs> I would love to see London After Midnight, but I, I think you're right. I wonder if we've just built it up so much. And, you know, Mark of the Vampire with Lugosi is kind of sort of a remake anyway, so you can kind of get some exactly. of the story beats. But still, sure, yeah. I'd still love to see that makeup in action.
4: Yeah, I would too, actually.
0: Oh my kid. kidding? Yeah. Well, I won't turn it down if it turns up. If somebody showed up at my door right now, said, hey, Derek, look what I found. You're know, like, okay, let's watch it. Right, exactly. <laughs> <I wouldn't> mind
4: Give <laughs> me enough time to get on a plane first, though, so I could come, you know, check it out too. So gotcha, gotcha. Or send me
0: a copy. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You mentioned Jack the Ripper, and that's something else that turns up in a lot of the interviews that I've read with you. You're fascinated yes. by Jack the Ripper,
4: absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Again, I almost see the world through horror movies, and you know, I was joking about this on the ride down to the Rondos. Actually, I was going to be part of my speech. Every time you you're in a cemetery, you think of *Night of the Living Dead*. Every time you're in church, you think of The Exorcist. That's awful to say, but you associate so many things with horror films, it gets to the point where you're literally living and seeing the world through a horror movie. And not all the time, but you know what I'm saying. Like, oh, yeah. It's kind of cool, actually. I do like it. You hear like a bell in the distance from a church, you think of a Hammer film. Or, and there's a lot of bells in Hammer films, you know, calling uh, bells. Yeah. So yeah, for me, Jack the Ripper, The Legend of Jack the Ripper, Victorian England, again, that anglophile thing um, on top of the horror thing you know that's what attracts me so there's these subtle underlying things that attract me to things and when I really think about it it's like yeah that's a wonder you know it's a no-brainer so yeah, I'm very interested and drawn to Victorian era stuff as well we've so got the gothic thing going on and all that cool stuff
0: and I love what you just said about living your life through horror movies. I, I have the same issue. Well, I'm not even going to call it an issue. I love it. I mean, I, I will be with my wife somewhere or a friend somewhere and we'll see something that the normals would consider creepy. You know, oh, isn't that creepy? And I'll say <laughs> yes with a big grin on my face. Like, that's a great thing. Yeah. That's cool exactly. if it's creepy, you know? Uh, yep. you, you said you were having this conversation on the way to the Rondos. You went to the Rondo ceremony. Well,
4: check. Yeah. This is what we did. We went down. There was no question. My girlfriend said, We're going there, so you can accept this in person, you know, 14-hour drive. And I actually ended up being 16 because what we did was on the way down, of course, you know, we plotted everything out and looked at our route on the trip and everything, and my girlfriend did most of it, actually. Her name is Peru. Right smack in the middle of our trip was Evans City, Pennsylvania.
0: You had to stop.
4: Oh, I don't even have to tell you what that is, of course. Oh, yeah. So we packed a lunch. <laughs> you know. We, we made it a fact that that was going to be our first stop on the first day. Cause yeah, we got there in a day of course, but we left a little earlier in the morning so we could get there around 12 ish one ish. And we were, we planned on having lunch in the cemetery where of course, not a living dead was filmed. Oh wow. For those who don't know, which I'm sure most of us do.
2: Sure. But
4: I'm want to talk about, I mean, that was like, that was something that was on my horror bucket list for forever, you know? And not only are we going down to the Rondo Awards, but we're going to be stopping there earlier in the day. That was unbelievable, you know. And everything's still there. You know, all the things are still there. So that was very,
0: very cool. A few years ago, when I went to Monster Bash with my wife and our, our friends, Scott and Tracy, we made a day of going there as well and we went to the Little Living Dead Museum yep. and we went to the cemetery. and. Uh-huh, yep. I may or may not have played Night of the Living Dead on my phone through YouTube while walking through the cemetery. I may or may not have had that music playing in the background while we were looking. (laughs) I'm just saying somebody might have been doing it. It might not have been me, but it was me. Maybe. But, yeah, you know. (laughs) Well, my my wonderful, beautiful girlfriend,
4: Peru, got up at like 4 in the morning before we left at 6 in the morning that day. Oh, wow. And grabbed the uh, soundtrack and put it on the iPod so we could have it for the drive out. Oh, to the nice. cemetery you know that's how cool she is you know what I mean
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that, that's, that's a keeper right there man that's, that's absolutely, another win absolutely. another win for us monster kids <laughs> that's right <laughs> I, I hope you had a positive experience with the people there. there was a groundskeeper there who was willing to take pictures of us and everything it was great
4: um, we had one guy in a, um, he drove by in a truck
0: mm-hmm.
4: he said uh, can I help you with anything and I said no we're good he goes okay <laughs> I, just drives off. I thought we were going to get yelled at or something, but no, there was really nobody there, and uh, I was just uh, just driving up that driveway, and then I didn't realize it was going to be right there, like the, the house, like the chapel, they call it, mm-hmm. it's right that you see. It's like right there, as soon as you get to the top of the driveway, I couldn't believe it.
0: Yeah. So, um, now, the acceptance ceremony is at Wonderfest, which is in Louisville yeah and I've never had a chance to go. I've had so many guests on the show tell me I need to go. You're another one who was telling me before we started recording that I gotta get it's out just there. cool yeah. you
4: know, it's cool it's, it's I didn't go to Wonderfest, but we got there just for the ceremony. It's just really cool to be there with um all the other people there, just like you <laughs> you know sure they have the love of it just like we do, and you're you know you're there to be recognized by your peers and bands or whoever and uh it's a lot cooler than getting it mailed to you. You got to go once is what I'm saying. You got to go if you can. It's really cool.
0: You know, and and I ask people this every time I have somebody on the show who's like a painter or a writer or an artist, uh, a a magazine publisher, somebody who puts this, this kind of stuff together. Mm -hmm. What is it you think as an artist about being a monster kid making us want to be creative, making us want to explore that monster kid dumb through art or writing or whatever. Cause I, I don't see that as much in other deep fandoms. Like, you know, I, I don't see fans of romantic comedies putting on a convention. I don't see, you know, that <laughs> right. kind of, you know <laughs> what I mean? Of art, you
4: know?
0: Right. I, I, what do you think it is? Or what is it for you that makes you want to express? I'm it? a
4: romantic comedy artist. You Are you? Yeah. you uh, got <laughs> <laughs> the same ring, you know? Well, I think, um, it, it is that love of it. And if, if you happen to be an artist, you're lucky enough to be able to bring that love that's inside of you out and to see that creation forming, you know, from your hand. And I don't know, without saying hokey or like whatever, you know, just trying to explain it, but it really is, it all stems to the love of it, you know, the emotional connection to it mm-hmm. and and to art as well. So whatever you're creating, you're going to have that connection to it. So if you're creating something that you really love, five times
0: is you know great. You know. Yeah, so, I, I just, there's just something about it that just makes. I mean, it's e- hard to put in words. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not as much an artist. I mean, I'm a writer, and I love writing about the monsters because that's what I, you know, that, those are my guys. Right. That's my, that's my team. That's who I play for. You know, yeah. that's what I want. So. Yeah. And when you find those groups of people, those those pockets that are – yeah, exactly. I mean, it's your tribe, I mean, you know, and, and it sounds like that's what you have at yeah. Wonderfest or, you know, at any of these other places. So now that you've won the Rondo, what's next? But yeah, the next thing for me is uh, generally
4: more card sets for these companies, you know, the same stuff I'm doing, more magazine work for the magazines I'm working for and hopefully some newer ones, and uh, who knows what else. I mean – You know, ideally, I'd love to get into doing, like, uh, DVD artwork, you know, covers or... Really? um, Oh, yeah. It'd be great, you know. Okay. There's a lot of companies that are coming out that are more independent, and uh, they're doing these great releases of classic titles, you know, that uh, I'd love to get involved with one of those companies, you know. Huh. Who knows? The cool thing is that you don't know what's on the horizon. You just keep working. And uh, hopefully, great things will happen. You know,
0: just make sure you put on your resume that you're an artist. I think that's what leads to it, <laughs> that's right?
4: right. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to have a whole artist resume now. You know,
0: just there you go
4: for resume specifically for being an artist, you know.
0: Just don't put in small print somewhere that you used to work in a mailroom because you don't want it to go the other way around. Yeah, that's
4: exactly you know? <laughs> that. As a, you know, there's a sign I'll put that, right? It's the whole opposite. <laughs> <It'd be>
0: funny. <laughs> so you're working for SQ Magazine, you got work coming up in Little Shop of Horrors, and you've got a website jasonbrowerart.com. I'll make sure there's a link to that. And you've got one heck of a gallery here. I mean, you go to the website and boom, right there. Frankenstein's monster. Lon Chaney. Something from American Horror Story. Jack Pierce. I mean, come on.
4: Jack Pierce. How can you not uh, love Jack Pierce? Sure. So all these great major players involved in that world. Um, And those are four by six. I was doing a lot of four by six portraits in black and white. Mm -hmm. Um, if If you go on the site, you'll see a ton of them. Again, it's not all horror stuff, but uh most of it is. Yeah. You know, I think I've done twenty Cheney portraits so far. Or I think, actually, twenty? Or I plan on doing twenty. Okay. okay I'm not gonna do a thousand, you know. <laughs> That's way too many, but um, Well you
0: probably could considering everything you did, but yeah.
4: <laughs> well, eventually I might get to that point, you know. Yeah. But again, those are just for me, you know, I'm not even doing them for any real reason. It's just something I need to do, you know. Um, when you when you're able to do work for your personal satisfaction, that's the kind of stuff I like to do. You know, maybe a collage from a movie, I'll pick a certain movie that I love and just do a nice collage of that or four by six, you know, the four by six portraits. For me, uh, usually I mainly work in acrylics now. Okay. And because of where I work, my office is basically in a breakfast nook. It's <laughs> on like off the kitchen in this little space. So I kind of have to work two and a half by three and a half inches sketch card size okay. up to maybe 8 by 10. You know, 18 by 24 is pushing it a little bit because of the space I have.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, I've, doing the sketch card work kind of got me used to doing small-scale work. So I like working that size with a little lamp right over where I work, it's very intimate and very nice. Those sizes work really well for me right now. You know, I don't have a huge studio... So it's nice because, you know, the magazine works usually 8 by 10 and, uh, everything else below that. So it's perfect right now, you
0: know. I wish you the best of luck with what's coming up next. I mean, I I see on your website that you're talking about maybe making some prints available for sale down the line. So please keep me posted on that because we'll let our listeners know if that's going to happen. And are you taking commissions right now? Anything, any size. So again, that's jasonbrowerart.com. You're also on Facebook at Low Brower Art. Again, links in the show notes to this episode. People need to check it out. And Jason, what we'll do is we'll plan to have you back on the show down the line. And next time we'll have like a movie to talk about or something or, or just awesome. something. We'll yeah. find something. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll yeah. find something oh, yeah. to talk about. I suspect we have a lot of the same movies in our movie collection. So. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find <Sounds> something. <laughs>
4: Yep, absolutely. We could talk for twenty hours, I'm sure. Oh, you know?
0: probably. I just need some coffee first. I think <laughs> at this point, just, just to keep going.
4: Well, I appreciate the early. Uh, I know it was really early for you. Ah, no worries. Um, you know, interview the opportunity, and uh, it was very, it was a great, great
0: uh, time. Get up early to talk monster movies with an artist. Come on, exactly. There are worse <laughs> ways to start a weekend. Okay. Yep. <laughs> right on. Exactly. Thanks a lot, Jason. Jason Brower That's Jason's website. Go check it out. You know, it's really hard to talk about your artwork on an audio podcast to talk about a visual medium in a strictly sound medium. It's tough to please go check out his website. Go check him out on Facebook as well. Brower is spelled exactly the way it sounds. B R O W E R. So go check him out. Check out his work. See what he's got coming up. Definitely warranted the Rondo win. I can't wait to see what comes up next for him. We were talking a little bit off mic, and I certainly think we're going to have him on the show down the line to talk about a movie, more artwork, more projects. It's just hard to shut a couple of monster kids up once we start going. Besides, anybody who includes a portrait of Jack Pierce, Edgar Allan Poe, Alfred Hitchcock, and Bruce Lee on the same page, calling them the masters? I mean, come on. The time is 1893,
1: and novelist and inventor H.G. Wells invites you to join him on a flight from London to San Francisco. In under a minute, you will be transported to a bizarre and fantastic new age. Today, time after time. For H. G. Wells, the modern world offers a spectacular array of revelations, embarrassments, and delights.
2: Well, hello there.
1: Hello. What's up, Doc? I beg your pardon. You're were saying where do? Uh, could you please take me as quickly as possible to the Hyatt? But Wells has not come here as a tourist. His visit will be somewhat more dangerous. <laughs> For he is pursuing Jack the Ripper, a villain who has eluded his fate by escaping into time. Ninety years ago, I was a freak. Today, I'm an amateur. I'm obliged to take you back to face the consequences of your acts. You take me back? How do you propose to do that? By force? Be reasonable, John. We don't belong here. A 19th century gentleman what? You don't close your eyes. And a 20th century woman.
2: Well, neither do you.
1: Join forces to capture a criminal from the past. At large, in the modern world. But even more than they want him, he needs them. You throw me the key, and I'll release the girl. On your honor, John. You have my word as a gentleman. I would have expected that you'd notice by now that I am not a gentleman.
0: Say goodbye. Goodbye, Herbert.
1: You haven't instructed him in the use of one of these machines, have you? H. G. It's checkmate and you've lost again. A romantic adventure. A breathless chase. Around the world and across a century. Time after time.
3: Lon Chaney was all of these. The Hunchback of Notre Dame, the Miracle Man, the Phantom of the Opera. The world, fascinated and thrilled, called him the Man of a Thousand Faces. But what was the secret Lon Chaney hid behind his thousand faces? What was the mystery in his life? Now, for the first time, the true story, torn from his heart, comes to the screen. Starring James Cagney, magnificent as the fabulous Lon Chaney, master of the grotesque, the weird, the strange, and Academy Award-winning Dorothy Malone and lovely Jane Greer as the two women who made his life more astounding, more touching than any of his unforgettable roles. I'll come to see you every week, every week. I promise you.
5: You had me fired. Damn you! Damn you!
3: Who are you? I'm from the collection agency. I've come to collect my wife.
5: Hi, this is ruby and i'm hater and we host the mimiverse bonfire podcast a podcast based on christopher r mim a minnesota filmmaker who's got eight films under his
1: belt soon to be nine
5: and they're all 1950s style black and white movies
1: the podcast revolves around actors the making of the films and various other little fun bits
5: and technicians
1: <laughs> you can find us at SaintEuphoria.com,
5: or like us on facebook
1: That would be the Mimiverse Bonfire Podcast. Hope you tune in.
0: That brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. I want to thank you for tagging along and enjoying the show. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. Let me know if you enjoyed the show. Head over to our website, monsterkidradio.net. This is how you can get a hold of us because our email address is right there monster Kid at gmail.com or you can call and leave me a voicemail at our Google voicemail line five zero three four seven nine five six five seven it's five zero three four seven nine five mkr of course you can always leave comments on our website and you can leave comments on our Facebook page and our Facebook group. If you're a Facebook user, please consider heading over to our Facebook page and giving us a like. As of right now, Facebook.com slash Monster Radio has 936 likes. We're trying to get to 1,000 likes by the end of this year. Think with your help. We can do it. And if you find the Facebook group, well, feel free to join and get involved with conversations with other listeners of Monster Kid Radio between episodes or even while you listen. Also on our website at monsterkidradio.net, you can find a link to our Patreon page where you can help support the show by becoming a patron and getting some sweet rewards along the way. You can sign up for the Monster Kid Radio Gazette. That's our e-newsletter. I'm way behind, but I'll tell you what. Within the next week and a half or so, there will be an issue coming out. So if you want to have that in your email box, well, you just got to sign up. Of course, there will be links to everything that we mentioned here on this episode of Monster Kid Radio in the show notes over on our website as well, as well as links to every silence appeared here on the show in this episode and the previous 280. Next week on Monster Kid Radio, we are going to boldly go where no Monster Kid has gone before. Okay, actually, I suspect that a lot of us Monster Kids have gone to classic Star Trek. This year is the 50th anniversary of the original series. And to celebrate, I've got Chris Franklin from the Supermates podcast joining me to talk about our top three favorite monsters from classic Star Trek. So stay tuned for that. New episode will drop on monsterkidradio.net, iTunes, Stitcher, and any other podcatcher that you use to subscribe to and listen to the show. And hey, if you're a user of iTunes, please consider giving us an honest review. We're trying to get to 100 reviews in the iTunes store. I think once you hit 100 reviews, the ghost of Steve Jobs comes back and gives you a toaster or something. Because it wouldn't be a toaster. It'd be an eye toaster. I don't know what it would do. But anyway, help us get to 100 reviews if you are a user of iTunes. One final bit of business before we end the show this week. There's that quote that I dropped at the beginning of the episode. Did you figure out what movie it was? Well, it did come up when I was talking to Jason. The movie quote was, There is no more foul or relentless enemy of man in the occult world than this dead-alive creature spewed up from the grave. That line is from the 1935 film, Mark of the Vampire.
3: Let no one leave. Move no one yet your power. We will not stop until we have discovered the vampires who seek the life of this beautiful girl and her lover. Watch out! They may be hovering over you, or you, or you! Danger stalks through the night. No one is safe. Their fury would follow us to the ends of the earth. No, we must destroy them all together. Scourge of mankind. They shall be found. I hereby summon... To this place, next week, every person within the sound of my voice, you shall be judges of this eerie conspiracy. Here we shall meet, Lionel Barrymore, Elizabeth Allen, Bela Lugosi, Jean Herschel, Lionel Atwood.
0: Of the vampire. You know, I haven't talked about that movie proper here on the show yet. Probably got to get around to doing that here soon. Until next time, remember that all original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Seven Deadly Swims. That's from the band The Murmurs, and that's "mer" as in "merman," so M-E-R-M-E-R-S. The name of the album is Get Swell Soon. You can find them at themurmurs.bandcamp.com and buy their EP for $5. You can also look them up on Facebook. However you look them up, let them know that you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio. I'll talk with everybody next week. Ciao.